As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. A week to forget, really. Arsenal suffered their first league defeat of the season, losing 1-0 to Newcastle. An eventful match. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Hello. All right, Tony. Yeah, no, not really, Adrian, no. <laughs> I was just saying before we, we came on, I can't... I, it, it, I, I, it's put me off football. That's what I'm saying. It's what's happened at the weekend has put me off football. I watched actually what happened was I watched about ten minutes of Luton Liverpool yesterday, the last bit. But generally, it's sort of anyway. We'll get into it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we are. Mikel Arteta didn't hold back in the press conference when talking about the standard of refereeing, right? And then the club, of course, put out a supportive statement the next day, and I was wondering. If you were suddenly installed as the head of the PGMOL, what changes would you make? Can we keep these answers to, say, five minutes? I mean, is that <laughs> fair enough? Amy, I know that's not easy for you, even in the easiest of times. Uh, but if we could just, like, you know, a couple of points and then we can move on to talking about the game. So what would you change if you were put in charge of it? Um, well, the first thing I'd do is fumigate the building. It's a bit of a smell around. <laughs> I think that I would get all members of staff to do a lie detector. <laughs> Just so we're absolutely clear uh, that we can, you know, deal with conspiracy theories accordingly. Oh, what? Do you have a, Do you have any rational hatred of Arsenal type uh, question? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go on. And then I think I would go about introducing a whole new department of... Hopefully, very smart, intelligent, computer savvy whiz kids who can learn all the necessaries about football and the requirements to make decisions and run via in an efficient way and uh, have them work alongside whichever football people, maybe an ex-player and maybe a, 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 an a official or ex-official who'd gone through the lie detector test uh, <laughs> without trouble and just have us try and have a more independent 
assessment process of VAR decisions. Because, yeah, it still sticks in the mind a little bit what Mike Dean said that not that long ago about a certain decision and not wanting to sort of put yeah, extra pressure might, on the referee. Yeah, the so, or whatever you know, it, yeah. I think I think that that is problematic. And without, you know, n- none of us know anything and I don't want to cast aspersions on anything other than a competence issue generally. Mm. Mm. But Arse Blog made a really good point this morning on his excellent blog and said something along the lines of, now that we know what Mike Dean said about maybe being slightly influenced by how the guy out there in the middle is, is you put you, it's not too far of a stretch to imagine it's a heated game mm. up there. They've just got themselves all really riled up about whether Kai Havertz should have gone or not. There's then, an, you know, uh, other incidents, Bruno Gomes and so on. And are you saying, okay, we're maybe not going to make that decision? I'm not even talking about the goal, but perhaps the Bruno Gomes. Forearm smash, let's call it what it is. Forearm smash, yes, okay, on uh, on Jorginho. Are we wanting to put the ref under that much pressure? Who knows? But it just, it doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help that we're we're allowed to have this kind of debate and we're not necessarily being mad because Mike Dean actually said what he said. All right. So is that short enough for you? No, that's great. Fumigation, (laughs) lie detection, and then the tech guys... In in concert with the the ones the the football guys who passed the lie detection test. On that point, by the way, I mean they were just. <laughs> I'm keeping a list here. On that point, by the way, Mark Clattenburg says the Havertz challenge wasn't a red, but had Stuart Atwell sent off Bruno Guimaraes and not Kai Havertz for his earlier tackle, he'd have lost the respect to the players, not the Arsenal players, no. by the way. But uh, he's talking about the Newcastle players. This is just this is the bollocks that we hear mm. from referees and ex-referees every day. Anyway, that's a start. Mm. Uh, Adrian, what about you? Yeah, yeah, well, it's not their job to to make decision based on feelings, is it? it well, it's got to be facts. All right. I mean, yeah, I've got a long list here. The, 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 the main thing I do is I go straight to the Premier League and request that we, we ditch VAR um, and we'll, we'll keep touchline technology all the way along the touchline, please. And we'll, we'll, we'll bring in semi-automated offsides and, and that's it. But if it stays, this is what I do. I stop officials immediately from freelancing in the UAE and Saudi Arabia. I don't question the integrity. I don't. Don't um, you? But I, a lot of But people do. And when people do, it creates this noise and that is unhealthy for, for football. And I hate to hear it. Um, just stop it. What, why haven't they stopped it? I'd operate a three strikes and you're out policy on VAR. Never do it again. If, if you make three mistakes on VAR, I'd actually do what Amy said. I'd bring in an independent group of VAR specialists to stop the protection of, of friends. I'd radically change it and go back to my original thought process on it, which from about eight years ago, which was, I just think it'd be better to have um, an appeal system. Um, I just think, you know, teams that feel that they've been wronged should have a right to to appeal. Uh, I'd, have, I'd have a couple of appeals a half that you lose if they're frivolous. So yeah, penalties, goals, yeah, second yellows for sure, um, red cards. Um, I, yeah, that's what I'd do. But I'd, my first priority would be to to ditch it. Really a radical overhaul is what you're talking about. I mean, we have seen in quite a lot of tournaments where VAR works pretty well. It, it seems to me it's the people working it more than get the, the best um, then. We, we, get we, the best. You know, pay, ours are freelancing. <laughs> you know, can't we get, you know, we'll bring some in from overseas. Yeah, and as for the as for the, uh, all the conspiracy theories, would we not be a bit mad to think that this sort of stuff they wouldn't 
try and uh, influence things. I mean, we're talking about so <laughs> much money here. You're laughing, Amy. I'm not laughing. Well, I'm laughing because I'm only laughing because it, it's it's like a um, a real medieval morality play where you've got the good angel and the bad angel on either shoulder, and like my good angel really, really, really wants to believe there's absolutely no chance of any of this happening, but my bad angel just looks at the history of football. And look at the money involved. There's so much money. Yeah. And you know when this much money enters any system, it's possible that, that things are corrupt. And I agree with you, by the way, Adrian. I mean, look, all those things you're talking about are great. Fumigation, I particularly like. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's all this chummy thing that, that Arsblog talks about in his blog, this mates looking after each other. I'd really... I, I, I'd almost, you'd almost want none of the referees to know each other, really. It would, it would help quite a lot if they were not pals off the pitch. Um, <laughs> in terms of the detail, and it didn't happen at the weekend, but sending the ref over to the monitor, I, if I never, ever see that again, because it's the whole thing about they don't want to undermine the ref. Well, I think refs are undermined, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that is going to make that much of a difference. Amy, you want to jump in? Yeah, you just mentioned about referees not knowing each other, kind of blind date refereeing uh, or something <laughs> like that. But I remember interviewing the ref from the very famous, not that I've ever talked about it before, game at Anfield in 89. And, were you uh, there, being, Amy? You were at that game, that's not what. That's not why I brought it up. I'm just. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it was more my astonishment that the referee said that he'd never met his linesmen, as they were then called, uh, or assistant referees now, until that that day. You know, this was the biggest game uh, uh, of the season, of of many seasons. You know, it was a world massive game of football and he had never met the linesmen. And he met up with them on on about about three or four hours before kickoff went on a walk around the pitch together where he spent some time explaining what, you know, what he wanted and how he wanted to work. And if this happens, then I want you to tell me. And if that happens, then, I, you know, if I do that, then I don't want to know. And it was absolutely fascinating, but, you know, it, kind of mad to think, I mean, I do, you, ideally you want that level of trust and, you know, they've got a bit of a, a sense that they do know each other and trust each other, but an interesting thought. <laughs> Anyway, Newcastle won Arsenal. We had a lot of possession. We had 59% possession, 14 shots, loads of corners. But to be fair, I could have been in goal for Newcastle. It didn't really create a lot. Uh, let's talk about the um, the incidents then, the actual incidents. Bruno Guimaraes. I mean, we've sort of mentioned this a little bit. How he was not sent off. Do you think it was directly related, Adrian, to the fact that Kai Havertz was not sent off? As Clattenburg said, if... If Kai Havertz doesn't go for that tackle, which when you look at the replay is a yellow card, it's reckless. And, you know, if it would have been I think been it a could red, have been red, though. It could have, think, no, it could have been. It was reckless. I don't think they'd have undone it if it was red. No, I don't think so either. So, so, so for the clear and obvious, I think you've got to acknowledge that. It was his training leg yeah, yeah. on long stuff. But Kimares just ran. I mean, he was he was so pumped. And his, his head had gone. And he just, he just forearm smashed uh, Georgina on the back of the head. That is violent conduct. And the only reason they gave for not sending him off was it wasn't his elbow. It was his forearm. I mean, uh, what? No, no he's, used, he's used the arm as a weapon. Um, he has, That is as blatant a deliberate act of violence on a pitch as, as I've seen. A lot of times with elbows and swinging arms, I think there is a, an element of, of doubt over whether that, that person meant to swing the elbow into someone's face. 
but here there there is no doubt because 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 his arm does absolutely doesn't have to be where it is. He's used it to smash him in the back of the head, and and that is incredibly dangerous. Obviously, you know, you hit someone in in the head in the wrong place, it can be fatal. You know, so so I think that is for me that's a straight three to four game ban, and that's what should happen today. And that's they what, didn't. What and they saw happen. it. And yeah, they saw it, and they still didn't do anything about it's it. It's one I of mean, the worst things I've seen on the pitch for a long time, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I really feel strongly about it that that was that was a, a grotesque piece of play from from him, and I can't fathom why he got away with it. The only thing is because of the noise of the stadium and the uh, the hot headed atmosphere, and everyone's up in arms about the Havertz not being a red. And it they, can't be an influencer. It just it, can't. It can't. It just can't that's be. That's just not acceptable. It just can't no, be. And, and that, I think that's why Arsenal put out this statement. I, yeah. I think. I think it's as much about that as it is about the goal. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a, it was an absolute shocker. <laughs> Havertz for me was was a really silly challenge, really daft, and he's lucky. He's really lucky. He's not hurt that player. Um, but I. I if I was on VAR, I wouldn't have upgraded that to a red, whether it was an Arsenal player or not. I just wouldn't. I, f- I feel it was a it was a orangey card. Uh, so orange wouldn't card. have downgraded it either, as Amy said. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if he gets a red card for it, we're because I thought it was a red when I first saw the tackle, and then he gives him a yellow. I think, all right, then we might have got away with one there. Amy, in terms of uh, Bruno Guimaraes, by the way, he'd already shoved Jorginho in the back, and he'd kicked the ball at Declan Rice, and he'd grabbed. Might have been Declan Rice by the throat. I mean, the guy was uh, had lost his mind. He was he was utterly out of control, and um, you know it, it was very hard not to think of Granite Jacko or something like that, and and <laughs> oh, yeah. the ludicrousness of some people getting a a softer interpretation and others getting tougher interpretations of events on the pitch. But I, it was it was. Um, Interesting in a way. I know that Newcastle have got uh, issues with with injured players and stuff, but I would have thought it must have been tempting to take him off at one point, just because you know he looks so uncontrolled that you feel like he could have done absolutely anything. But it's extremely unhelpful when a player can do multiple things like that and get get away with it time and again. It's just crazy. It's it's the sort of opposite of rotational fouling. It's like yeah, singular fouling. And you're like, come on, this is just insane. It's absolutely not what should be happening on the pitch. And to echo what Adrian said, that was just dangerous. But, you know, almost feeds into the old-fashioned uh, idea. I saw a headline on a, a piece that somebody wrote uh, in one of the broadsheets, I think, saying something like... Um, you know, Arsenal weren't hard enough. Oh, Newcastle. Oh, don't, don't, don't. And this is a broadsheet writer. I, I, I didn't read the piece, so I might, you know, can't always judge a headline, but, you know, also feeds into that sort of Newcastle wanted it more line that, that came out of... Uh, and, and I think there are times when you can level that at certain teams. Not Saturday. I thought West Ham wanted it more than Arsenal in the Carabao yes. Cup, for example. I don't think that's yeah, a difficult one to dispute. But I absolutely disagree wholeheartedly. I thought Arsenal wanted it very much and played, on the whole, mm. pretty controlled, pretty pretty good game. Obviously, Havertz's challenge wasn't controlled, but on the whole, 
And I didn't feel danger from Newcastle. No. no. I no. actually sort of looked at them and thought, they're not as good as I thought they might be. But no. uh, granted, they've got some missing players, but didn't feel the threat. And it felt like it was, if Arsenal didn't win, it was because they couldn't get their attacking game together for me, rather than there being a fear of a big defensive mishap, which was the sort of thing that would happen last year. Yeah, we'll talk about the uh, the lack of um, teeth up front. Um, just on that point about Bruno Guimaraes, one of the things, Adrian, maybe with VAR, is that they can give out yellow cards. So yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't yellow be that cards difficult. And give out yellow cards. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah, it's a, it's a nonsense. If Guimaraes gets a yellow, let's say that they don't think his forearm smash is hard enough because he didn't use the point of the elbow mm. to mm. hurt Jorginho and they think it's a yellow card, at least give him a yellow mm. for it. Mm. Mm. At least do that or for the push or for the any, any of the other things because that would stop the bad behaviour mm. anyway. Um, <laughs> the other the other uh, big moment, of course, was the goal. Uh, <laughs> uh, either of you think it was a goal, by the way? Either of you? No. No, no it wasn't a goal. On it, before we get to the, the um, controversy, we didn't defend well in the moment. You know, there was no pressure on the ball with, with Fabian Shah. You shouldn't be able to clip a ball over the centre-halves, you know, for, for a runner. That shouldn't happen. Also, Ben White should have got out as well to um, uh, to Joe yeah, Wilk. Yeah, so that was when part of well, Gabriel should have, should have yes. um, not have miscued his clearance. Um, ben White and Jorginho both had a lot of time to, to get out to the ball. Um, when Joe Willett kept it in, well, <laughs> kept it in yeah, yeah. With, yeah, uh, yeah. with with quote yeah. marks. Um, and, and I do think that David Rye's position was a little bit too aggressive at that near post. It did it did take it, that, that cross took him out a little bit too easily, in my opinion. So I think that you've got four successive errors from Arsenal players, albeit minor, that, that added up to the mess. That said, yeah. the ball looked out. Okay, I, I, I don't like the idea of the curvature of the ball being in because that just creates... If you haven't got the camera angle, it, it's just weird. I just think if you haven't got the camera angle, if the ball's not touching the line, it should be out. But that, that's a whole different thing. Well, they do it at corners now as well, don't they? And it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but it's anyway, weird. But, but, it but, is but the clear is. thing for me was, was the foul. It's, it's two hands on Gabriel. It's, it's an obvious foul. Anywhere on the pitch, it's a foul. Obvious, uh, except to Gary Neville. By the way, who was commentating on Sky, <laughs> yeah. and and I just and and by the way, on the pundits, um, I've heard Neville and Carragher. I mean, there's there's stuff going on on Twitter now. Uh, the the exchange was between the fan and those two, the fans and those two. But the hypocrisy of, for example, Jamie Carragher said he's all gone too far with a statement when three weeks ago he wanted his team to get a replay when they <laughs> lost the Spurs. I mean, I I can't. Anyway, it was two hands on the back of uh, Gabriel. Maybe a handball as well. And possibly a handball and possibly an offside as well. Uh, although I, I sort of mm, I, I, sure I disconnected. <laughs> I, I know, I disconnected a little bit from that. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, the one of the curvature of the ball is the one that I would have the most sort of uh, sympathy with officials about because if you can't tell, um, you know, that we all know enough about perspective to know yeah, that those tell. things can be incredibly why, difficult. Why don't they have a camera on the goal line, on. right the way across well, the goal quite, line? I mean, I mean well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> there are 25 cameras in the stadium. Use one of them along the goal it line. It was more that they didn't They didn't have a... Uh, to not have camera angles to be able to check the offside was weirder because, you know, that should be standard. 
Yeah, but it was a push in the back. It was, it, a push it was a push in the, push back. In the back, and that was the biggest issue. And I think for it's very unhelpful to have high-profile former defender pundits trying to claim that that was fine and part of the game. I just don't think that helps in any. I don't really see the point of of that line other than to kind of stir the pot of controversy, and that's not helpful because what we need is football clubs collaborating and uniting on this issue because. If it's not one, it's another. And, you know, poor old Wolves. I mean, Brighton had it a lot last year where there were just inexplicable decisions against them. Wolves have had two very late penalties recently. Gary uh, O'Neill could argue Gary O'Neill's comment was, 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 was absolutely... He, he had it at Bournemouth last year. It, you know, tremendous. He's, yeah, it, and I think he said essentially what Mikel said, but in a different way. And, and I think his quote is, I'm honestly lost. I don't know where to go with it. I'm told to go and have a sensible conversation, but he's watched it telling me it's a penalty, which tells me we're in a crazy place. Now, you well, you need to almost get all the managers in a room together and say, what should we do, guys? You know, the managers have power. And individually, when one comes out and makes an, a, an uproar or, or states the kind of things that Mikhail was saying or Gary O'Neill saying or, or others say. And it feels and a bit tribal, or, or, doesn't it? Yeah, it, and, 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 it, and, it, and it becomes tribal amongst the supporters or even the, the, the pundits. Um, and that's not helpful. We need to help the game. We need the stakeholders who are playing the game and who are being punished. And by stakeholders, I don't mean TV. And I don't mean, I mean clubs. And sort of by extension, fans, fans, because the ones who the ones who are being punished the most, and this explains Mikel's outburst and how I think he'd been triggered to a point where he couldn't keep it in anymore, despite that being his usual way. Is it's him, it's his players, it's his staff, and by extension, it's his fan base. And that's that what the club. From this. That's what the club said. They included. We'd like to acknowledge the huge effort and performance from our players and travelling supporters at St James's Park. Travelling supporters, incidentally, who would have left St James's Park at half seven, twenty-five to eight, just about the same time that the last train back to London left as well. And there's obviously issues with all that as well. Um, Mikel Arteta, just a brief taste. He said, I feel sick. That's how I feel. I feel sick to be part of this. The result should not be what it is. It's a disgrace. It's embarrassing what happened. How this goal stands in the Premier League. This league we say is the best in the world. I've been 20 years in this country and now I feel ashamed. Adrian, does this hurt us in the long run in terms of how, you know, the referees view us and how, you know, I mean, I mean, it's doubling down, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think, I don't think it should hurt us. It shouldn't. It I'm shouldn't. Not saying it no. Should. I mean, in a way, I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson did this with the this kind of thing with the opposite intent, didn't he? In terms of hoping that it might swing a few positive decisions his team's way, and that's the way it's been throughout the history of the game. Kick up enough of a stink, and it seems to be that 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 maybe a, you know fifty fifty calls begin to go your way. I, I don't think that necessarily was his intention it was just what you said he, he's just sick sick of it and this was the f- straw that broke the camel's back and yeah it was uh, I, I I thought it was, it was fair enough what he said I I, I, <laughs> I was on the breakdown live obviously immediately after the full-time whistle and I kicked I kicked off well I kicked off and 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 sometimes 
you know, because you just got to go with what you feel and what you saw. And sometimes you think, did I get that right? So it was, it was with <laughs> great relief that I saw that Mikel had gone even stronger than I had. So, you know, I think we're all, I think we're all aligned at Arsenal on this. It, it just surprises me how many people would disagree um, because a lot of people have disagreed with, with what I put on social media over the weekend and a lot of stick. And I, I really don't understand how people can see what happened any other way. Well, I put something up about a soft goal, really. And and I was just trying to moderate my language because I do on Twitter because otherwise it just gets... But I got stick for saying it was a soft goal. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Amy, you wanted to say something then? Well, just in terms of the um, the response from McCann and the club, I think that uh, it's obviously prolonging the story and the furore and it's going to be talked about for a while to come. But I think if Arsenal can use this internally in a positive way by creating a bit more siege mentality, that's the way to go. That's the way to use this. You know, they've got to work on themselves anyway because there is an element of wouldn't have this discussion at all had there been some marginally better defending or goalkeeping. And that's important to acknowledge. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that Arsenal, despite actually generally playing quite well, didn't look like they were, you know, going to score goals and their chance of creation was poor and it ha- has been a downgrade from last season and that needs attention. So there's plenty for Arsenal to think about. Yeah. Um, but also this can be used as an, a kind of emotional fuel. All right. Well, I, well, yeah. No, I'm hoping for uh, a, a George Graham type. Uh, Definitely. Chat to the lads after May United away. Yeah. Sometimes you need something like this puts a bit of extra fire in the belly, and and well, and it'd be good. On the point Amy made very briefly, I know we want to talk about football, but I actually do think I think you could get agreement and a consensus among the twenty Premier League clubs and among the managers to to put out a combined statement that would be far more powerful because it, it's easy to ridicule what Arsenal did and that's what people are yeah. doing but you can't ridicule it if everyone says the same thing and yeah. and I I believe in their heart of hearts every manager would actually have um something to say on this Quite. but do you think there could be an agreement I think that's the thing. Could we find a common language for all 20 managers or 20 clubs? Well, is is there anyone, actually, is there anyone that thinks that the, that the standards of officiating, both on the pitch and in the VAR room, does anyone think that they are up to scratch? Yeah. No, I don't there's suppose they agree- do, but it's, it's, how yeah. you, it's how you elaborate on that, mm. uh, uh, you know, take it beyond just a statement of, of fact and feeling. But what could be done about it? What could be done? Well, how many goals they admit to have made mistakes over and stuff? You, you can you can lay out some facts. I think fundamentally for me, I'll almost, almost never, or I'm reluctant to blame a referee for making a mistake in real time with one view. But I, I find it much more difficult to accept mistakes from VAR mm. because you feel like they've got time, they've got different views. And that to me is the absolute crux of the whole thing. And I was hoping that what VAR would do was make things better by starting, you know... How if much was do a, they have a, to pay you guys to, to be a VAR official? I mean, seriously, cool. it's a no-win job. No, it's a, hor- it's, it's it's a, a horrible job. It's a no-win job. Really? Current, I mean, most of the, the time... What do you win? What do you win? You're never going to get praise. Well, yeah, sure, but most of the time, even when you see the ones where they spend four minutes looking at it, we know after the first look at it, go, oh, yeah, that's offside or that's onside or whatever it is. And they have to, it's just the waiting. 
Anyway. I think it's a horrendous it's job. It's not the waiting. It's not, I mean, it's not great, but it's about getting the decision right. If, if, if we got the decision right, even nine times out of 10, you'd go fine. But it's, it's, the, it's the decisions that are wrong that are very hard to take. It's a job nobody wants and let's just get rid of it. Let's just get rid of it. We, you've just said it. We can accept referees' mistakes. Let's, let's just go back to that, the original. Let's accept an, a, an honest mistake. <laughs> We're going to talk about some football <laughs> after the break, right? Some actual football. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On today's Athletic Football Podcast, I was joined by our very own James McNicholas and David Ornstein to discuss the Arsenal's lack of goals, how Mikel can get us back to our attacking best, as well as the latest on any potential January business. You won't want to miss it. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here talking about the fact that we got beaten at Newcastle and for all the poor refereeing and the con- controversy and all the rest of it, um, we're not creating enough at all. We were so exciting last season. We had chaos. We had all sorts of stuff going on. They didn't know, they didn't know where we were going to come at them from. We had 14 shots. Amy, do you remember any of them? I mean, they were one on targets. I looked at the mm. stats. I thought, 14 shots, is that right? But we had one on target. And I just thought, I don't remember them. I don't, we just don't seem to be playing with the same joie de vivre, the same progressiveness that we had last year. What's mm. going on, do you think? Um, I mean, I defer to Adrian a bit on that tactically. I'm sure he'll uh, give us best explanations 
But just from a kind of feeling point of view, yeah. when I'm watching the game just on the eye test, it feels, I think that the front part of the team is suffering from an instability in midfield for a start. A lack and of I granite jacker. Yes, perhaps? I think I, I, I've thought of him quite frequently. I've thought of last season's granite quite frequently this season. Um, I think Erdegaard being in and out with some injuries and also a little bit of a, a, a downturn in form has an impact. If you think that those two were the kind of real mainstays of the midfield last year, and it's a new look. Obviously, Declan Rice is quite extraordinary. Every game, I find myself shaking my head in disbelief almost at what he yeah. is capable of doing. But he is seeming to carry the whole load more or less at the moment in certain, in the last week or so. So, or taking on far too much, let's just say, not able to share it around enough. And it feels to me like last season, there was quite often times when there'd be quite a lot of our players kind of going forward at once. And it was a bit more difficult for opposition defences to know how to, how to contend with it all. But it feels like sometimes we've got this very rigid system now where... Martinelli and Saka are hugging their touchlines. Particularly when Eddie's playing, he's kind of trying to lead the line up front. I think he, compared to Jesus, Jesus will wander around a lot more positionally. So he'll get, be able to get closer to either the wide players or midfield players. But I think Eddie tries to hold a more conventional number nine's position more. So there's so much of a gap between the three yeah. front players that the combinations are incredibly difficult to to get going. And I almost feel like most of the time we're looking at one of them to sort of do something on their own rather than actually weaving together those sort of devastating passing patterns, boom, 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 and somebody's in. Adrian, I mean, I mean, Amy made a number of good points there. The defenders maybe not getting forward quite as much. You don't see so many overlapping runs and Ben White missing players from midfield, two out of the three we had last year, although Declan Rice is, is agreed with, I'm agreeing with Amy, a massive upgrade. And and um, missing Jesus as well, right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything that Amy said. It was, it was all on point. The, um, it's the, the interchanging of positions just wasn't there, was it, in this game? Wasn't there against West Ham? It's Yeah, it's not been there as much this season. Jesus has, I think, started once or twice at centre-forward in the Premier League. A couple of his starts were were um, as left winger, weren't they? When when Eddie also played, so so we just haven't. And what what's happened in the Champions League, by the way? Three games, three starts for Gabriel Jesus as a striker. Three games and and and, and goals from him, and um, and maybe a little bit more vibrancy from the team going forward. So we really do need to get him back in back in the team, in my opinion, up front because. That interchangeability is hugely important in terms of disrupting defenders. Um, in this game, Newcastle are brilliant at working. Okay, so like they, their midfielders and forwards track back amazingly well. So whether it's the wide central midfielder or the wide forward, they always made sure that the fullback had one at least one other player next to them when Saka got it, when Martinelli got it. It's doubling up, so they doubled up on those two. But because we didn't really have White flying forward and Tommy's not going to do that, um, we didn't really have Kai Havertz making enough runs into the box. 
then you know they they were left on their own and isolated and, and what did they do well they passed backwards back they in. held it and in. passed it backwards i think that was at the heart of our creative sort of dearth in this game but yeah. it's been like that a lot this season yeah. though hasn't it adrian i mean i've i've felt quite a lot we're very solid we have one of the best defenses in the league but we just don't seem we're, we're the second top scorers or we were before the weekend mm. might be a bit further back now but we just don't seem as attacking I miss yeah the Jesus absence is, is massive I also miss overlapping full backs you know just, just every now and again you need it to create those overloads so you know in football you always hear the term overloads well we're not creating that many this no. season and the other thing that I think we've missed in the last few weeks is power you talked about Xhaka there, a powerful player. Thomas Partey, powerful player. Just don't think, you know, Jorginho as neat and tidy as he is and Havertz as talented as he is, they don't have dynamism, do they? They don't have physical no. power um, when, when we attack. And I think that that power opens up the pitch sometimes and um, we haven't got enough players in the team with it at the minute. Um, we got um, a um, an email uh, from um, Munashe. Hello, Munashe. Thanks for writing to us. Um, Ms. Lawrence, Mr. Stone, Mr. Clark, Mr. De Roche, Mr. Nicholas, and Mr. Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I like the formality. I do. Uh, so about last night, he's obviously writing this on Sunday. I'm channeling my inner Stony here. I haven't got it at the moment, but anyway, <laughs> good. You keep it going, Munashe, because I think we performed at an elite level yesterday, which I hope we carry into other games for the remainder of the season, where we take no prisoners and bring the fight of a lifetime to our opponents. In spite of the goal not supposed to stand, what do you make of Arteta's rally cry post-match? We talked about that. Mm. But here's what's interesting. And do you think it's finally time to swap goalies because the sound as he has been, to say the least, Reyes seems to be overtaken by the occasion of a big game and looked rattled at times in yesterday's games and previous ones too. It is a tired conversation, admittedly, but I think it's still an interesting conundrum nonetheless. Stay safe, win your jewels, <laughs> and remember to ask yourself, what would Adrian do? <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, thank you, Menashe. Um, Great letter. Yeah. Um, David Raya, uh, me and Amy did chat briefly before the podcast. Um, it's I've seen various people writing about this. Adrian, I'll come to you first, actually, because I came to Amy last time. Do you think we should swap swap the goalkeeper at this point? I mean, is it is it a problem of his own making here because we did talk about this on Wednesday on the podcast about or Thursday after the West Ham game about how the West Ham fans were giving Ramsdale some stick uh, knowing the position he's in and and none of this happens if if Mikel Arteta is not sort of you know quite en enigmatic when he's talking about the goalkeeper yeah I, ju I just don't know how I feel is the honest answer because yeah, we've brought this upon ourselves. I think the idea would have been that they push each other to to raise standards, raise the bar. And it, it, in effect, it, the, the danger was always that it would make both of them edgy. And I think in, that's the reality at the moment, isn't it? And because there's so little between them, everyone recognises that. There's very little between them. I just think that any small error is going to be really, really focused on in a way that, that it wouldn't if, if there was a big gap between the one and the two. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a couple of times now Raya's positioning has, has, has been a fragility to the team from crosses. 
I don't think he's done enough to be dropped, is my honest answer. And obviously Aaron came in and didn't play brilliantly against West Ham. So I don't feel compelled to, to say that he he needs to play. So I would keep it, is, is my honest answer. But I don't know how I feel about the whole thing. <laughs> I don't feel that comfortable. No, I'm really, I'm really sort of upset about it, to be honest with you, Amy. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale last year was such a big part of the connection that we had to that team. It was it was almost like he was he was really one of the conduits, you know, the way that he would chat to the, the fans behind the goal and to the Ashburton army. And, and there was a real connection between us and him. And obviously, David Rea is a different personality and that's going to take a bit of time to build. But it feels like more than just that has been that has been lost really by 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 the changes. I'm curious I'm curious I'd love to know in heart of hearts what some of the other players think. Never mind yeah. what the fans think. But you know, they were used to Ramsdale and his ways. You know? It looked like it was a team within a team, the 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 defence and goalkeeper when Ramsdale was there in the last couple of years. And we it have feels been solid much more... Yes, think? but to me, it, it's hard to put, put your finger on it, but it does. It feels a bit like there's Raya and then there's the rest of the defence and the rest of the team. I don't, I don't feel like there's a... Which is understandable, it's new to the team, but they don't seem to have that that vibe, that connection just yet, maybe. But I'd love to know as well whether this... This version of David Raya that we're seeing right now is what Mikel Arteta envisaged coming into the team. Because I find it hard to imagine that this is what he thought he was going to be putting into the team. That's not to say that Raya won't get more assured and the connections won't get better in time. Because obviously, once he's your player, you always want your players to, to do well and fit in and for it to be great. It does feel jittery. It just does. I don't feel, it doesn't feel particularly secure. And it was odd. I was watching the game and I had this kind of sudden sort of flashback moment. I remember when Ramsdale came uh, and he had a great, great start, remember, uh, almost from day one, um, despite what people kind of disputed about the signing. And I remember a few handful of games in just thinking, Wow, this is nice. Like not feeling worried about the goalkeeper. Like every time there's sort of danger, he managed to develop a feeling that yeah, and he's you know he was not a guy that never made mistakes or anything like that. But I think the crowd felt very confident in him quite quickly, and that was a nice feeling because to be honest, Arsenal fans have not I think been uh, blessed to fit, have that feeling about their goalkeeper for quite a long time. If you predate Ramsdale, never quite had the same. Uh, feeling of security with Leno, never never had the same security with with uh, latter day Petr Cech, never had the same <laughs> security at all with David Ospina or, or um, Manuel Almunia. Yeah, yeah, back to Jens. And, and, and I just thought, God, it's so nice to watch a game and not be like you're high in your mouth every time. You know, the goalkeeper's coming. Will he claim it? Will he not? Will he? Uh, and that's got lost at the minute, and I don't think that helps. If there's a break clause in the contract, I don't know whether there is in terms of the loan. Would, do, you, do you think that might be a consideration, just in terms of the the, the, the balance? You know, it, it, because if if both are unsettled, it's it's, it's it's not great, is it? I don't think it would. I think 
given that it's a season long loan, mm. I can't see there being a January break thing because mm. obviously what I don't suppose do? Bre- Brentford want no. they've got two goalkeepers already mm. that they seem to be content with. Mm. And if Arsenal do lose did decide to take that action, they'd still probably want to get in another number two because I dare say they wouldn't go through the whole rest of the season with with uh Hein as as backup just in case someone inexperienced was going to be needed for weeks on end. So it's just a question of I'd be more interested to see what the assessment is at the end of the season because you know if this is the man then fine and uh, you know but Arteta's got to make that judgment call for you know a, a, a longish period. And, and Rambo needs games, by the way, because uh, European European Championships coming well, they up. Well, both would argue that they need games, but it's, this is yeah. just another reason why this has yeah. turned out to be so, it, a, a, an odd situation. It might be that we we just have to loan Ramsdale. If, if he's not going to get his place back, we might just have to... Lo- I wouldn't want to sell him. I'd, I'd, I'd loan Maybe loan him out for the second half of the season. We'll loan in somebody to be a number two. Then the noise dies down. And let's see what Raya's like in the second half of the season as sort of the sole number one, just let get on with the get on with your keeping and, and earn that earn that move. It's down to him, isn't it? So these uh, um, these conversations must be happening mm. at the moment. They must be. I know I know Mikel Arteta obviously has decided that Rare is his number one, but uh, But Mikel sure- Mikel has to make the decision as the manager of the football club. And you know, there's often been situations where managers have trusted goalkeeping coaches to you know, to be the experts on who they should who they should be having, and is an obvious relationship between Nyakana and uh, and and Raya. So, I think it's really important that whatever decision is made, it comes from Mikel. Okay, we've got uh, an important game in the Champions League in midweek, and it's nice to say that. Obviously, uh, Sevilla. Let's, I know we've been a bit sort of down with what's happened, but you know we've got Sevilla at home in the Champions League. Win that. We're in a very, very good position uh, in the group. I don't really know what to say about games in the future, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you. I don't. I mean, I hope they play well. I hope he picks the best team. I hope Martin Erdegaard is back in the team. That's what I hope, to be honest with you. I mean, Adrian, he makes it so much. When he's playing well last season, all the goals he got, all the assists, Everything about the way he knitted play together, I'd love to see him yeah, back. Yeah, we in need the team. him back. We need him, especially with no party, no Jesus. You know, we, we've we've lost quite a lot there. Lost a lot of sparkle. So yeah, we need we need we need him in the team. Um, hopefully, he will be. Yeah, be a tough game. I think. Yeah, Sevilla. Um, they got a lot of now. So a lot of a lot of older heads in there that have played a lot of European football. We're obviously short on goals and more short on creativity at the moment. So I think it might be a tighter game than than some expect. Arsenal are heavy favourites, according to the bookmakers. But I think, I don't see this being a one-sided affair at all. I think it's going to be a, I actually think it's going to be quite a cagey game. But if we win, I think we're pretty much through, which would be great. Well, obviously, you've just got to be optimistic. But, uh, you know, on the other side of that coin is if Arsenal don't win, then the pressure really starts to be feeling felt on the back of the neck. Yeah, quite, quite. Because we've got some very winnable games in the uh, Premier League coming up. We've got Burnley, Brentford, Wolves and Luton. I think most fans would expect 12 points uh, from those games. And if we get them, everything, especially if we qualify for the Champions League group as well, everything will be much rosier. So let's be optimistic. Let's, I, I, you know, I think it's nice that we're sharing the load of optimism now rather than me just being the one who's like, everything will be all right, guys. 
<laughs> and you're like trucker trucker, whoever you are. I mean. I'm not. I wish I was trucker trucker. I would mean things were going a little bit better. <laughs> you're doing it anyway. Um, Arsenal women beat Man City women 2-1 yesterday. Art de Roche was there and has written a piece uh, for The Athletic, which you can have a read of. Before we go, let's have a song. Adrian, what have you got? Uh, too late to apologise. Um, Tim, Timberland uh, featuring um, One Republic. Bad singing, I know, but um, quite a good song. And um, out. Quite. Amy, what about you? My friend Adam sent me uh, uh, the Arctic Monkeys and Snap out of it, which uh, <laughs> was an, a, a good idea, although it was quite hard to do. But I understand the sentiment. We've got to kind of put it behind us. I think um, Tears for Fears and Mad World was going, uh, was the one that sprang to, to my mind. I mean, obviously, the world out there mm. in general is incredibly disturbing and. I think a lot of people who are lucky enough not to be directly involved in that look to things like football to escape and then this bloody mad world in football as well. So we'll be in a slightly different perspective. I've got two. Um, I wasn't. I couldn't really choose between them. Um, Talking Ed's blind. <laughs> Uh, this is all aimed at the PGMOL, by the way. And I've got Rage Against the Machine killing in the name of for the chorus, all right? <laughs> Even though, obviously, I do have to do. If you're a player, you do have to do what they tell you, but um, you get the general uh, gist. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it I don't think I've been quite as angry as, as this about football for quite some time angry uh, stony I, know, I don't I don't it's like quite it quite a big turn of events I don't like it it, it's, it unbalances me it scared me, me a little good. bit gotta be honest uh, <laughs> yeah like I say I didn't have a gig Saturday night so I didn't have a crowd to take it out of uh, I'll take it out on I should say but anyway nice to see you guys and thank you very very much for listening thanks to Amy thanks to Adrian and thanks to Jay our producer and we'll speak to you after Sevilla on Wednesday night see you soon ta-da ta-da